0: This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 1030 a.m. and 230 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. This morning, I want to talk about fear. I want to start out by asking you to think about a time in your life or think about fear and what you think about when you hear that word. If you're like me, uh, you you think about, you know, it's Halloween time. You think about, you know, jump scares and, you know, being frightened in and, and a way like that. But the way that the Bible teaches about fear, I don't think that's at all what it's talking about. And so I want to start out by looking at the children of Israel uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 29 through 35. I'll have the rest of the scripture up on the screen, but if you will, we'll turn to this first passage uh, in scripture. And we want to look at the children of Israel. And we want to see, I want to... Uh, see how how fear got them in trouble with God and how God reacted to their fear. Starting in Deuteronomy 1, verse number 29, the Bible reads, Then I said unto you, Then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you, according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness, thou hast seen how the Lord thy God bare thee As a man doth bear his son, and all the way that ye went until you came into this place. Yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God. So we see that the children of Israel had seen all these things from God. God had blessed them greatly. He'd saved them from from Egypt, and he had led them to this land that he had promised them. But as we know, they were fearful. They didn't trust God to lead them into this land, they thought that the people were too big and that they would lose their life. And so we see how God reacted. Verse 33, who went in the way before you to search out a place to pitch your tents in and fire by night and show you by way you should go in a cloud by day. In verse 34, and the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth and swear, saying, surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land, which I swear to give to your fathers. And so because the children of Israel had a lack of trust in God because they feared. In this time, He punished them, and He said that all of them were going to die before they would get to see that land. We see similar punishments on the children of Israel for idolatry and things like this that they would commit later on. So, the takeaway and why I wanted to start here talking about the children of Israel is because God views fear the same way He views fear the same way He fear, uh, views sin, and so we cannot view it in a in a different light fear is, uh, referenced or not having fear is referenced about 130 times in the Bible. And so as we've established, God doesn't want us to fear. He wants us to overcome fear in this life. And he also knows that it's a struggle for us. And so this is why it's talked about a lot in the Bible. The next thing we got to, we, I want to remind us of is that fear can overcome our faith. You know, the children of Israel, as we looked at, God had led them through the wilderness. God had got them out of Egypt. He had done so much for them, and they had seen so much, but yet they lost faith in him. A little bit of fear overcame them, and the same thing can happen to us if we're not careful in our life. We cannot underestimate fear and how the devil will use it. Uh, Just as the devil wants us to sin and to give in to the things of this world, he wants fear to overcome our lives because it puts him in control. And so this morning we want to talk about a few fears that I've listed, Uh, that we can face in this life and about what the bible teaches and how we can handle them first fear we're going to talk about is a fear of the future you know tomorrow and every day ahead we don't know what's coming and we have no we have no idea what's coming and naturally because of the unknown we can have some fear in our life and then the next thing we're going to talk about is fear of being alone you know not having people in this life and being on your own is something that can be very scary and that uh, God doesn't intend for us. <clears throat> we can talk about fear of loss, losing the things that we love, the people that we love. It can be very scary at times. Fear of death, something that overcomes many people of this world, that bears us down, and that can be a burden for us if we don't turn to scripture for help. Fear of standing out, fear of being different. Uh, you know, no one, none of us likes to be apart from the crowd. No one likes to you know weird different whatever the term might be similarly none of us wants to be rejected we fear spreading the gospel we fear being rejected uh, for god's word and these fears you know many times we don't think about it but these are the types of fears that lead to worry anxiety and stress in our life and this is by no means an exhaustive list uh fear of many things can overcome us in this world this is just a list that i made and I, I put all these out here on the list in the beginning because I want to show that fear affects us all at some level. And the only question is whether or not we accept that and whether or not we know that fear can be a temptation for us. So I want to dive into each of these fears, see what the Bible has to say about them, how we can handle them, and how we can overcome all fear. <clears throat> As I said about fear of the future, the reality is not one of us knows what's, what tomorrow holds. and. As we all know, unexpected things come up all the time. And naturally, we can, this, this can bring fear to people. But this uncertainty shouldn't really have any bearing on us as Christians. <clears throat> and Scripture teaches us this. You see, Proverbs 19:21 says, There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that sh- shall stand. Despite planning and looking ahead and all these things, whatever we, we do to worry about the future... Uh, it's not going to change the outcome. And we know this. We can plan, 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 and then one thing happens and all that has to be changed. But God alone and his counsel, God alone knows what's ahead. And his counsel and what he wants to happen, that's what's going to happen in the future, no matter what we do. And we should be able to take hope in this fact. You know, Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no one else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. <laughs> God does know the future. Unlike us on this earth, God knows exactly what's coming the next hour, minute, day. <clears throat> and again, we see here that his counsel, what he wants is what's going to happen. And so when we're fearing what's coming ahead, when we're worrying about tomorrow, next year, next month, really, we lack the trust. We lack a trust in God and his will for us. If we have a proper trust in the Lord, then tomorrow won't burden us or worry us. Psalms 55:22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. God promises to his children that he's going to be there for us. If you fear the future, you doubt and we doubt his will and his promise to take care of us. You know, Matthew chapter 6 speaks of, Jesus uh, speaks of, God taking care of the lilies and the birds, and that if he does this, do we not think he will take care of us as well? If fear of the future, or worry of the future is a burden to you, seek help, or seek the scripture. Find a deeper trust in God and the promises he's made to us. The next thing we want to discuss is fear of loneliness. This can be a real struggle for us in this world. The temptations that come when we feel as we are alone cannot be underestimated. And there's two things that I think are important keys when overcoming this fear. And that first thing is that God is always with us. And the second thing is he designed his church so that we would not be alone in our fight against the devil. First, we'll talk about God always being with us. Psalms 27 verse 10 says, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Cannot be overstated that God is always there with us. I think the key that we many times overlook is that we have to be striving to have a relationship with him as well. If we only turn to God in time of need, in time when we feel alone, and we haven't built our relationship with him, it'll be hard to know he's there. But if we take the time to build our relationship with him, his scripture and his word will always be there for us whenever we're in time of need. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 says, And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee, he will be with thee, he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee, Fear not, neither be dismayed. God's there for each and every one of us. And his word provides us with exactly what we need in time of need. And we must not let the, the devil and the people of this world convince us that God is not always with us. He designed this church and this body to help us and to help us not be alone and not feel alone. First John 3 verse 17 says, But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion for him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? And you look around here at this body and at all, all churches in this brotherhood, you see the love of God, and I, do, I don't doubt that at all. And you see that the love of God has love and has compassion for those in this body and those that are not of this body. And so we need to know that as Christians, even when we can't turn to our closest friends or family members, that there's people in this church that will, are ready and willing to help. See, Romans 15.1 commands us, When we, wait, sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. As I said, anytime you have no one, you feel that you don't have anyone to turn to, turn to someone in this body. Turn to someone in the church. They will be there for you as we are commanded to. Fear of being alone, just like all the fears we're talking about this morning, is a struggle and God knows this. And he, his love and care and infinite wisdom gave us this body to turn to and to lean on in time of need. If you're in need of help, if you feel that you have no one to turn to, turn to God, turn to the church, and you'll receive the aid that you need. Fear of loss. So today we, we live in a very blessed society. We have so many freedoms. We have so much uh, blessing in this land. And I think because of that, it leaves us in a bad place when we lose things. And so for anything from possessions to, to loved ones, thank you very much, uh, can be a struggle to lose. Uh, you know, we work hard for things and we lose them or, you know, we lose people that we love and it, it can be hard. And so we see this exact thing happen to Job. Uh, in Job 1 verses 9 through 11 the Bible reads, And Satan answered the Lord and said, That Job fear God for naught. Hast thou not made a hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substances increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. So what did the devil go after when he tried to make a very holy man sin? What was his first thing that he was going to do? He was going to make him lose everything. And so, this can be a huge struggle for us. And he did do exactly this. He made Job lose everything he had, his family, his health, his possessions. And why did he do this? Because he knew it would be a great struggle for Job to handle this. When we lose things, we're tempted to let it draw us away from God. Now, there's another example in the Bible of someone who was told to lose something. And had a, it was a different result. And that's a rich young ruler, uh, Matthew 19, 21, Jesus said unto him, if thou will be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard it, that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So how is it that, as many of you know, the rich young ruler, he he told Jesus that he had kept all the commandments from his youth. So how did a man that had done so well, that had done so well to follow God, not do this. Why could he not just do this one thing? Loss is a difficulty. It's not in human nature to lose things. And because of this, we see that these two men, Job and this rich young ruler, had two very different reactions. And I think when we dive into the core of this difference, we see that the difference between handling loss in a correct way and handling it in the incorrect way was a love for God. Luke Luke, fourteen, twenty-six and 27. If any man come unto me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and his children and, and brethren and sisters, yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. See, Job truly loved the Lord. He put the Lord above everything. His love for the Lord was more than possessions for people that he loved everything and the rich young ruler he was holding on to this love of whatever it was that he wouldn't get rid of and he put that above god so as we are talking about loss and fearing ask yourself who would you react like an honest examination if this is a struggle if 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 loss really does scare you make sure that your love for god is above all else (laughs) Next we're going to talk about the fear of death. Perhaps one of the biggest fears in this world that I have on this list. Yet, really one of the simplest for the people, for God's children. Death surrounds us. You know, we mentioned several people that are having funerals in this town this week. And while it will by no means be easy to come to terms with death, we can undoubtedly not take fear in it. And it's taught clearly clearly in Scripture. In Hebrews 2, verse number 14 The Bible reads, "For, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. See, God knew from the very beginning that death would burden down, that it would be bondage for us. And a struggle. But his wisdom gave us a way and gave us Christ to save us from that bondage. And this hope is something that can help us easily overcome fear, this fear of death. And not only does he give us a promise uh, to overcome death, but he gives us a promise of comfort. This is in Revelation 21.4. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. God provides not only a hope for us to overcome death, but a comfort and a hope to overcome pain and suffering and crying and sorrow for all of eternity. And we don't have anything to fear if we obey what the Lord commands us and we have proper trust in him. And I want to share a story that is actually the story that led me to give this lesson, and that is... Uh, we have on this, your prayer list, and many of you know Brother Lyle Miller, uh, was diagnosed with ALS several months ago, almost a year now. And The inspiration behind this was once he he had that diagnosis, I happened to be in Plainview the next time he preached. And I got to see a man who'd just been told he was about to die go up and give a lesson called God is Great. And in that lesson, as his voice shook and you could see the man dying, you saw someone who was looking death in the eye and was not scared. And why is that? Because we see, we, we all know many people like that who have died, who have gone on and they weren't fearful. Because the word of God and God's word provides us with an escape from that fear of death. Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 speaks about this. He says, and fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. If, you, if you're scared to to leave this world we need to examine your fear of God examine who you should be fearing do you respect him as almighty do we trust in his promises do we keep his commandments if we do all these things we have no reason to fear he God alone is the one that deserves fear in our life and if we have a proper fear of him death is not something that we should struggle with another big struggle for us, fear of standing out. You know, no, as I mentioned in the beginning, no one wants to be singled out. You don't want to be separate from the crowd, but we clearly see in scripture that as Christians, it's not really optional. Uh, if you can't really think of times that you've been different in your life at some point, then you've, we've probably failed our faith if, if we haven't stood out from the crowd at some point on this earth. Philippians 2:14 and 15 says, do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. See, we live in the middle of a corrupt and sinful world, and we're told that we're supposed to shine out as lights. At the very least, we should find ourselves, you know, not participating in things and avoiding sinful practice. But we have a natural tendency to want to fit in. And we have to try to change our minds. We have to try to change our natural tendencies. First Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called out you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, it's really a blessing that we can stand out and be different. And we have to view it as such. God gave us the opportunity to have eternal life, to lay hold on eternal life. But he calls us to be different. And we need to view it as, an, as a blessing and not something that we should be embarrassed about or scared of. <coughs> if you are struggling, you know, if it, it, it's, it's natural to struggle with wanting to stand out. And I think the key to overcoming it is looking at where your heart is set looking at the true desires of your heart. Do we want to fit in, or do we want to please God? Ephesians 3.11 says, According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. By the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. See, our boldness comes in Christ. We have boldness and confidence from Christ. It's not in our own Uh, way it's not in our own personal speaking abilities or whatever that may be we have confidence through christ god's word and god's power is going to do the work and it's not going to be us and this ties very closely to the next thing which is having a fear of spreading the gospel you know we don't want to lose relationships in our life we don't want to be rejected to our face we don't want to be made fun of but just as the Bible teaches that we should stand out and be different as Christians, it teaches us to spread the gospel. And it's not an option. It's not something that we can, we get to decide if we want to do or not. Jesus' the last words on this earth, the Great Commission, he says, and he said to them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, it doesn't ever, Jesus never tells us that spreading the gospel is going to be easy or there's going to be fun or what we want to do. But he does tell us that it is our mission while we're here on this earth. And we see Paul, when he was speaking to the Philippians, he talks about being able to go be with Christ. But yet, he's not going to go. He, he'd rather stay, or he's going to stay, because he'd rather save souls. Philippians 1, 22-25. For I am straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. He knew... What it, how great it would be to be with Christ. But in 24, he says, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you for the fervenence of joy and faith. I Put this on here to display our mission. Rather than be with Christ in heaven, Paul was going to save more souls. He was going to spread the gospel further. <laughs> and we we must be willing to do the same. We must be spreading the gospel. We must put it, above everything, even being with Christ, you see, as we see here. It's important to remember that uh, rejection is not a rejection of us. While we may lose friends or relationships or people and from time to time, it's a rejection of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 and 8 says, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth despiseth not man, but God who has given us his Holy Spirit. Despiseth here is defined as to cast off or lay aside. And so this passage is telling us that when we tell somebody about the scripture, about the gospel, and they lay it aside, they despiseth it, um, that that is rejection of God and not of us, and that we should view it as so. We're called, um, while, while people may reject the word at times, uh, and we know that people will. We've probably all experienced it. It's also important to know that we can't approach it with a mindset of everyone will reject us because just as uh, they are not rejecting us, they're rejecting God, we're not doing the work. God is doing the work. If we could present it in the right way, God will do the work. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so my point is, many times I think we receive rejections and things, and we take it as an excuse to give up, basically, and to not even try. But God's Word is going to do the work. And if we present it in the correct way, it's going to work on people, and it's going to change their lives. And the question I have is for everyone this morning is, do you believe in that power? Because I think, uh, I know personally in my life I believe, I've looked at people and thought that they would never be converted and they'd never be changed. But God's word has the power to convert anyone and we must allow it to work in people to save their souls. And keep in mind that we may be their only hope. Second Thessalonians 1, 7 and 8, and ye who are troubled rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. And that Obey not the gospel of our Lord. Do you have a, a friend, a family member, a coworker worker uh, that you want to feel the wrath of God on, the vengeance of God? <clears throat> Their soul is at stake. And this is a struggle for me, and I know it can be a struggle for many of us, but uh, in, re- in, in trying to overcome, we must realize what is at stake for others and for ourselves. So this morning, we've examined some of the big fears that we can struggle with in our lives as Christians. And as I talked about in the beginning, there's many others, and you may have some in your heart, in your mind that aren't on this list that you may struggle with. But at the core of all fear, and as we wrap up, I want to talk about how we overcome all fear, and that is to love God. 1 John 4:17 and 18, Herein our love is made perfect, that we have That we may have boldness in the day of of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. So as we've examined fear this morning, it's clear that God doesn't want it in our lives. That the devil wants us to be overcome with fear. But what we see is that a true love for God... Is, uh, you know, a true love for God that leads us to keep his commandments and have a trust in him uh, will cast out fear. Uh, it will change our lives. It will, uh, uh, <clears throat> complete love for God will change our lives. It will change our actions. And it will have, let us have complete trust in God and in his will for the future and his uh, power to be in control of all. As we're taught here in John 1, you know, fear has torment on us. But this is why the Bible teaches that the first and great commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul. Because at the core of most issues in our life, sin, fear, whatever it may be, is a lack of love for God. And as we close, (coughs) remember that if we can do that, we can keep the first and great commandment, It will equip us with everything we need to overcome fear in this life. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.